Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week four, day three of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 10, 1 through 23. Welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God? Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. We'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 10, starting as verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what is known as the Italian Regiment. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. All right, so again, remember our breakdown of the types of people in a Jewish understanding, a Jewish mindset. And that is a Jew, a, uh, a Jewish convert, a God, wait, we got, no, I'm, excuse me, a Jew, a Hellenistic Jew, someone who doesn't natively speak Hebrew, Aramaic, um, a Jewish convert, a Gentiles converted to Judaism, a God-fearing Gentile, or a God-fearing Greek, and then just a regular Gentile. Cornelius is the God-fearing Gentile type, right? He is decided that I am only going to honor the one true God of Israel. I've He's put away worshiping other false gods and things like that, but he hasn't made that leap to get circumcised and follow only the law of Moses, make the, do the feasts and festivals and make the pilgrimages to Jerusalem and all that kind of stuff. He hasn't gone that far, but he does give to the poor and he, 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 you know, he, he's, he's all in on this one true God, the God of the Israelites. So he's a God fearing Gentile is how they would have distinguished him. And that's how he's referred to here. Verse three, one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. Very often, you know, it's an angel when you're afraid. (laughs) Um, That's the most common response to meeting angels in scripture. Continuing with verse four, what is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. I find it interesting that the Lord didn't say, go to Simon Peter. He said, send for him to come to you. It was important. It was important here that Peter actually go to Cornelius's house. We're going to see why uh, here in just a little bit. Verse 7. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, they were on their journey and approaching the city. Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. If you want to know what a trance is, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Lots of I've heard lots of different people describe what this is, but essentially he's having this vision experience, but this vision is real. It's 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 as if and again, this is there's no strict definition in scripture. But the way we're experiencing this here through Peter the way I would define what he's calling a trance, what Luke is calling a trance here, is that it's going to be a vision, but it's going to be real. It's not going to be something you can kind of see, but it's like Peter can interact with this vision. It's like 
the world around him has disappeared and the Lord has like put him in a room, you know, where everything's different. And it's like, he's left where he was and he's gone to a different place. Something very supernaturally, you know, uh, tangible is happening. This isn't his imagination by any, 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 any stretch of the word. This is real. And he's really experiencing this. That's basically what's going on. If I've, I, when you get into these kinds of experiences and things like that, people want to put really hard definitions and this is that, and this is that, this is how this works. The Bible never seeks to give us hard and fast definitions is that this is what a trance is and this is what it's not. And you should seek trances. You should try. I mean, like so much of that kind of stuff that we hear about trances, things like that's new agey and all these kind of things is don't get bogged down with all that kind of weirdness. The Holy spirit does really supernatural stuff. He really does. But when we're like trying to put too many definitions and things like that, I've, I've seen many people say, well, you know, I've had this many angelic encounters, I've had this many trances and things like that. And that makes me kind of holier than thou, right? I've seen lots of people try to use whatever experiences they claim to have as some badge of holiness and how they're the man of God that you need to listen to and things like that. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't like that. I don't buy into that. And when you're using these kind of supernatural experiences to try and, you know, make you a, a badge of honor, we look at Paul and, and Paul talks in his epistles, the, his badge of honor, the badges of honor that he was proud of was that he was obedient to Jesus and that he was shipwrecked multiple times, that he had had the lashes the 39 lashes so many times and that he'd been, you know, stranded without food and all like, it's the hardships that Paul actually says, those are my badges of honor. It's not how many times I've gone to the third heaven or encountered angels or whatever. He's like, no, no, it's, it's the things that I have really suffered for the name of Jesus. Those are the things that I'm proud of. And so when I see people do these kinds of things, maybe you're from a tradition where it's like, I don't even know what he's talking about right now. Good. Um, but there are, are lots of people that try and put really hard and fast definitions to things like that. Sometimes it's out of their own experiences and that can be somewhat valid. But, but whenever you're trying to define things as this is what this is and I've had them and you haven't, I have seen that so much and it is not okay. That's not, the Bible is not trying to give us a hard and fast definition. It's just telling us what's happening to him. And it uses this word, it's calling it a trance. Um, that doesn't mean that, right, because there's new agey things, new agey people that say that they have to go into trances and things like that. It doesn't make it invalid. It doesn't make that, if, if the Lord were to give someone a trance, it doesn't make that invalid, right? It's, it's really the message. It's the messenger. It's the fruit that comes out of it. <laughs> Right. If you're like communing with guiding spirits and things like that in a trance, then yes, that's new age. That's demonic. Don't participate in that. Don't have anything to do with that. Don't listen to people that do. But if you say, well, I had a trance and the Holy Spirit showed me this and there was an angel and this and this and these, and then the things happen, right? Because the, the, the fruit of this is exactly what happens in the trance is exactly what's going to take place afterwards. I mean, the, the Lord's making a point. And it's going to happen just the way the Lord is going to show Peter here in this trance. All right, verse 11, enough of that. 
he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Verse 13, then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure, unclean. All of these animals are, are legally unclean according to the Old Testament law, every single one of them. And so Peter's thinking this is a test. It's like, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's like, no, I've never done that. I'm not going to do that. I mean, something in him, he's like, this is, this is a test and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to respond. I'm going to get an A on this test. Verse 15, the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. So Luke doesn't repeat this, but he says this conversation where he's like, get up, kill and eat. No, I have never done that. Don't call anything impure that, that I call clean. And then he, Again, the voice is, get up, kill and eat, right? That cycle happens three times just to make the point with Peter, right? And each time Peter responds the same way. And maybe it's like a dream where he's not in full control of what he's saying. He's kind of experiencing and watching it. Or maybe he is in full control. And he's like, no, I can't do that. No, no, I've lived my whole life. I'll never do this, right? Whatever it is, the Lord is making a very clear point. Peter knows better than anybody else when the Lord says something three times. It's a big deal. More than anybody else, Peter should know when the Lord reiterates something three times, right? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? This is, the Lord likes to speak in threes, but especially for Peter, this is a big deal. Verse 17. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So he has the vision. He's trying to figure out like, okay, I said three times. No, three times the Lord basically chastises me. I don't understand. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit breaks in and says, three men are here, go with them, right? Don't hesitate to go with them. I'm the one who sent them. Peter's like, okay. <clears throat> Verse 21, Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Verse 22, the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. Travel took a long time, right? They didn't, he just didn't get up and just go right back. They came in, they spent the night and then they left the next day. <clears throat> How cool is this, right? Cornelius has this encounter with an angel and he says, go get Peter. Peter's having this encounter where he's saying, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. And then he has the Lord says, you know, go with these guys. I've sent them. You need to go with them. I mean, like the Holy Spirit is really good at leading and guiding people. Really, really good at leading and guiding people. 
I think it's a stretch, again, to read into the book of Acts that, well, the disciples, the apostles, they didn't leave Jerusalem fast enough to go out into all of the world and preach the gospel. And that's why the Lord sent the persecution. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. That's, that's me personally. I just see too much of the supernatural prophetic leading of the Lord, and I see too much of a desire to be obedient. I mean, here we have Peter's like, no, I've never done that. I don't want to start now. I'm not going to disobey the law. I'm not going to do that. I just, I see in, in them at this point in history, I see too much of a desire to be incredibly obedient to the command of Jesus. For me to buy into this idea that, the disciples, the apostles in, the, in Jerusalem in the book of Acts are being disobedient and not going out to the ends of the earth fast enough. They're going to get there. They're going to get there. But it is not as fast as I'm sure some people nowadays would want. <clears throat> as this passage continues again, we're going to see the first Gentile Christians. There are none at this point. Everyone is a Jewish, a Jew or a Jewish convert. As a Gentile myself, I have, my parents did uh, the, the Ancestry.com or they did the DNA swipe and all that kind of stuff. And, and I have essentially no, no Jew in me. There is, there is nothing Jewish about me. And so for me especially and for most of the world, what's about to happen is a really, really big deal. This is about to cause the gospel to explode. This is why Jesus came. This is about the redemption of mankind. Not about the redemption of just his people, although Jesus was very specific and very focused. While he was on earth, he was there for only the lost of Israel. But now he has given the church over to his disciples and it's about to blow open to where the rest of the world can enter into eternity by knowing Jesus. For the 10-Week Bible Study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.